Psalms 133, 1 through 3. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers or the brethren to dwell together, dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head that runs down on the beard, even Aaron's beard, and goes down to the collar of his garments. He's surrounded. He is covered. It's not a little dabble do you like we do. And listen, I have to get a little dabble do you because that stuff right there will kill me. It's like acid on me because there's an herb in there that I'm allergic to. And when I pray for people, a lot of times people are like, well, he's kind of rude. He prayed and left. No, I'm praying for people and going and hand sanitizing because I'm allergic to that bottle right there. So, but the anointing oil is not a little touch. I want you to get the concept. It's not a little touch. He clears it up. It didn't just pour over the beard. It went all the way down. It was completely consumed Aaron. And I love what I heard a Jewish rabbi say one day. The reason they did that was, is everywhere he stepped when he went back home, that oil was there, and the little kids would follow and play in his footsteps. And I thought, wow, what, a, what we should look like in our families. The head of the family should be so anointed that their kids and everybody follows in the footsteps because they are covered in the anointing of Jesus Christ. What a great concept. And verse 3. As the dew of Hermon that descends upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, even life forever. Father, we ask you for your blessing on your word. We thank you, God, for the songs today that we got to sing to you. We thank you for your people. God, this is just dead words if you don't do something in our lives. We pray that you would heal and that you would restore and we just love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So put verse 1 back up, JT. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. I want to talk to you today about unity. When we, you can put that down, when we get in one mind and one accord, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Right? When we're together. When we're one heart and one way, we, when we, listen, it's so easy for some reason for us to say we know this concept, but not to live this concept. There was a prophecy that went forth and you said, I've heard this 50 times from you. Well, you'll hear it 50 more till we get it. That said, after one of the greatest services I've ever been in in my life, and we all just sat in the presence of God and a hush came over. We had been shouting. We had been praising. God had been setting teenagers free. And a hush came over the whole everybody at one time. And we sat there and the word of prophet, a tongue, message in tongues and the interpretation came and it said, God said to us, if you will stay united, I will do marvelous things in your midst. Amen. So what is the devil going to do when he hears that? He's going to try everything he can to attack the unity. He always has. He always will. Look, I heard a story the other day. I was, tell, I was telling Brother Roy. He might be, he's, I uh, forgot he's doing the offering. I heard about a guy that got on a desert island. He was by himself. Ever heard the story? And the captain picked him up. And as they're sailing away and they rescued him, the captain says, I thought you were on this island by yourself. And he said, I was. He said, why are there three huts? He said, oh, that's easy. One 
is my house. One is my church. And the third one is the church that I wanted to go to after I left the first one. <laughs> Are we not living there? You, if you don't like something or you don't like somebody, you just change churches. This guy was by himself and changed churches. I thought, when I heard that, I thought, that is all of us. That, that is us. That's what God has to deal with on a daily basis. Us. So I, I just, when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's hilarious. I'm going to have to share that. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Look at this. It says two are better than one. Because there's a good reward for their labor together. Listen to me. Stop right there. An airplane. Thought that I, just, I was just kind of thinking. An airplane has 10,000 separate parts. Now if me and Dr. K go and we get book a flight and we walk out there to go out and we sit down in, in just seats. We're not flying anywhere. It's just two seats. But when you start to put the wheels on it and the engine on it and the wings on it and you start to put everything together, that huge vessel flies all the way around the world because together there's a synergy. Together, the devil knows that. That listen, if we're not careful, we will get in this mentality of solo or solitude Christianity. It's not meant to be that way. It never has. It never will. And while we're here, I'm going to keep reading, so keep that up. John Wesley said, this changed my life. He said, I don't even remember the guy's name that said it to me. The guy's name wasn't important. God was saying it to him. Listen to what he said to him. He said, John, you cannot serve God alone. You must find companions or make companions. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. You can't do it alone. You can't do this alone. You can't just wander into church and wander out of church and live your life and say, I did it. You cannot live this Christian life alone. Amen. Verse 10. For if they fall, then one will help up his companion but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to help him. Practical. Keep going. And if two lie down together, they'll keep each other warm. I love this. If we get together, have you ever grown cold in Christ? I mean, this, this is talking about something totally different, Solomon is. But all, that's a schoolmaster to teach us of today. If I begin to get cold in Christ, if I've got my brother who's on fire with me, then he's gonna, that warmth is going to come into my life. That's true. But if I'm by myself, what happens? Same way when I'm on fire, because life is just this. I'm telling you, you can, you can believe me or not believe me. If you feel great right now, just hold on. You're going to go back to the valley. It's coming. Just give it time, and then you'll get back up on a mountaintop. That's life. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. Death and eternity forever with Jesus, good all the time. That's life. That is it in a nutshell. So if you're on fire and you're yoked up, my biggest thing when I was talking to our pastor this week, we are praying about ways that we can get together more. 
I'm, I'm trying to think about ways. I don't want to just see you on Sunday morning and say, I'll see you again next week. That is not the Christian community. That is not biblical in any way, shape, or form. It's about doing life together. Listen, and I understand you can't be at every event. I'm not talking about all that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Connected. Not just from the ministry down, but everybody intertwined together, living this thing out together. I think I gave you one more verse. And if someone might overpower another by himself, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken or quickly broken. What is that saying? You can put that down. I'll tell you what it's saying. We've got an enemy that's going to come in. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to throw imaginations. They're called fiery darts. He's going to tell you. I was talking to those girls last night. And I love them. And I think about them. I'm like, they're living together like 40 women in one confound place. I can't even start to imagine the drama in that environment. Real and make-believe. And that's what we dealt with last night. But that's the same thing about church. There was this guy at work for, I've been there now a little over five years. And every time I passed him, I didn't think he liked me because he didn't talk to me. And so you know what I did? I just let the imagination grow that he didn't like me. Right? So I never talked to him. When I'd see him, I'd just kind of walk away. I wasn't friendly to him like I was most people. And all of a sudden, the other day, we happened to be eating lunch together, and I brought up golf. He's my best friend now. <laughs> there was nothing that he hated. He comes to my desk now. We were in the middle of a meeting, and they were getting started, and he's yelling across the room at me about what Tiger Woods is doing that day. Like he's, and I'm, I'm like, oh man, keep the golf talk. That we're, let's show some respect. But we're best friends. You'd think we were brothers. He's, he's lived, you know what happened? An imagination. An imagine. the devil said, and if that happens in the work world, what happens in here? What does the Bible say? Forget not to communicate. One of the coolest things I saw last night was, and I didn't even address it. As soon as we stood up for the altar last night, I saw this girl, tears just flowing, made a beeline to one of her counselors. And I don't know what she said, but I guarantee you, before service, her and that counselor had probably had a little talk. And she hugged that counselor and God healed and she started apologizing. She didn't talk about whose fault it was. She took all the responsibility. It's all me. I didn't handle it in the right attitude. I didn't do it the right way. And they left in there hugging. If you go look at my Facebook page, you can see it. I didn't even realize I was videoing the altar call. And you see two girls on the side, and they are embracing during the altar call. It's amazing. The power of unity. See, I hear a lot of people say, what's wrong in the church? Because it doesn't seem like we have the power we used to have. And listen, I agree with that. I, I, I was lucky enough to be right on the outside coming up that I saw some of the real power of God fall. I, I'm thankful for that. But I think I've come up with all these reasons. We're not holy. We're not this. We're not that. And maybe that's all true. But I'll tell you what I think it is. The anointing's not going to flow on us and we can't act as priest to God because if we're not dwelling together, listen, it does not say visit together. It says dwelling together in unity. I could not see you for three weeks, but when I do, we could still be together. 
Because the, there's a love. Do you, does this make sense? I know this is no new deep theology, but I think we're missing it here. I think we've let so many foolish things. Look, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9. The end of all things is near. Believe that? Anybody believe that? It's near. I was telling them last night, hate Donald Trump if you want to. Love him if you want to. When he gave Jerusalem back as the capital, we just watched thousands of year old prophecy fulfilled right in front of our eyes. And if you're asleep, it don't mean anything to you. If you're in this generation, you're just living life for yourself, it doesn't mean anything to you. Because you know what it means to me? He can come now and sit on the throne of David and it can be all over and the millennial reign can start. You don't think they can build the temple in seven years? They can from right now. So praise God for what he's done. Praise God that this book is believable. This is absolutely believable. You don't know, well, I don't know if I should believe it. The proof's in the pudding now. You're watching it happen. And just get ready because there's a prophecy in Isaiah that says that Damascus is going to have to fall before he comes back. And Damascus is the oldest city in the world that's never been destroyed and rebuilt. You need to look at that. When, and you hear all this Syria talk and all this fighting in Syria, get ready. You're going to hear one day that Damascus fell and you're going to hear that something happened and they bombed Damascus and you're going to know you better put your eyes up because you are close. Amen. It's coming. So we believe that. Therefore, be solemn and sober so you can pray. If you don't believe that, you're not going to be solemn and sober. You're going to get drunk on this world and what we do every day. Verse 9. So he said all that to say this. Show hospitality one to another without complaining. Did I give you 10? Okay. So I use the MEV version. The, ver the other version I read from says show fervent charity to one another. Show fervent love. So he says, everything's coming to an end. You have to live a life that is fervent, active love. It can't be passive. Like if you get an offense in your heart, you have to deal with it. Amen. Thank you, Doug. One person. You have to be fervent about you. What if the offense is real? Good, I'm glad you asked, because that's a good point. See, because the next scripture that we missed, and I forgot to give JT, says, because love covers a multitude of sin. How does that work? Well, he's coming back. We believe it. And listen, I've heard people preach that, oh, God's love covers a multitude of sin. That is not what he's talking about in context. God's love covers all sin. I've heard people preach, oh, it'll cover a multitude. Well, I hope it don't just cover a multitude. I hope it covers all. Because I'm in a lot of trouble. It covers all sin. So what is he saying? Have fervent charity for one another, and your love will cover sin. The tighter we get together in unity and purpose, the more you're going to see things in me that are not Christ, because I'm still human. And if you don't have love and you're not fervently working on that, you're going to see things in people, and you're going to say, whoa, 
whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. It's so funny. We never say whoa about us. If I've got the right love and I'm living right with Christ and I love the vision, there are things that are not that big a deal that your love can just cover over. In the 17, almost 18 years here, you don't think that me and Papa have butted heads? The same way he butted heads with his preachers when he was young? Same reason men and their boys as they grow up, they butt heads. Two men living in the same house. It happens. You know what I noticed about this scripture that is so real to me? When I was younger and I would get so mad at him because I couldn't understand why he would not move. Thank God he didn't move. I'd be preaching to five people right now because I was young and dumb. But you know what? No matter how mad I got or how loud I got, he stayed just like this. I couldn't offend him because of his love. There was no way. I noticed there was, he didn't, when, he, when he saw me the next time, he didn't even act like I just yelled at him. Now, how nice would that be in church? I knew preaching on unity, nobody was going to shout. Hopefully, Barry, when he comes back up there and get the worship up and get us all up so we can pray for people. We've got to let the love of God cover people's faults. I walk by them, they don't even think they like me. No, they have a cold. They're just here on day cool, and they're just like, oh. They love you. They just don't love their self right now. They're head cold. If you're like me, sometimes I wish I could take a rake and rake out my sinus cavities. And I'd be like, I might be better. So what do you do? I want to say this, and, and I'm, I'm going to try to land the, land the plane. What do you do when somebody in church offends you, and it's a real offense, and they don't apologize? I came in contact with this new cool word. It's called Calvary Forgiveness. Came across it this week. I had no idea how I was going to implement it to a sermon. But I was like, this is, this is life changing. Calvary Forgiveness is this. It's as the Roman soldiers beat your back and nail you to the cross. And they never ask you to forgive them. You say, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. It's Calvary forgiveness. It's a deep love of God. It's time as a church we go to the deep things. That we get the faith of Jesus Christ and we get his life so in us that no matter what anybody does or if they ask us to forgive us or not, we have the love of God so strong in our heart that we can pray like Jesus, forgive them God. They didn't even know what they were doing. Yeah. You see the solemnness in here? How can we expect the anointing oil to flow if you've brought all your garbage from your life or all your garbage between church people into here? Can't work. Can't work. You got to say, God, I need some Calvary forgiveness in my life. I need some that when they don't even ask me, I just love them anyway. Right? I got one last scripture I want to share with you. I was thinking y'all might get with me today and we might preach, but 
We'll teach today. That's okay with me. Show you something else I learned. Romans 15, 30 through 33. And I really am going to land, land the ship. Now I ask you, brothers, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my ministry for Jerusalem may be accepted to the saints so that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now I want you to see this. Listen to me. This was revelation to me and it helped me so much. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Stay right there. Paul just signed off his epistle the way he always does. He's writing. He's saying, be together with me in prayer. Then he writes, behave. Good old Southern. Behave. Strive together. Be together. Behave. And the God of peace will be with you always. And he closes it the way he always closes it. Amen. And the Holy Spirit does what he does to us sometimes when we think it's over. He's like, you're not done. Why did you say amen here? You got something else to say. You got to write Romans 16. I need to tell you some more stuff. Put Romans 16, 1 up. He says, now he goes, and now I commend to our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church of somewhere, doesn't matter, that you welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you assist her in whatever matter she may need of you, for she has been a helper, many, and of myself as well. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Jesus Christ, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I, but also the churches of the Gentiles give thanks. Likewise, greet the churches in their house. Greet my beloved somebody, we'll call him Bob, who is the first converter of some church. Go to the next one. You're, I want you to see something. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet... Peter and Paul and my kinsmen and fellows, we're just going to give them normal names. Look at number eight. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Verse nine, are you seeing something? Greet Urbanus, a fellow worker in Christ and my beloved stashies. <laughs> Greet Apellus. Listen, some of y'all that are about to have babies, these are some names right here. You need to write these down. Let's go back. Let's go old school. Who is approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Arstabulus, whatever his name is. Greet Herodian, my kin kinsman. Greet those who are of the household. Okay, you done? So let me tell you how this kind of came out. Wednesday night, I was supposed to preach on Romans 5 and Romans 6. Well, because I was in a hurry... I epically failed and said Romans 15 and Romans 16. So I'm reading all these names Wednesday night about to preach on grace. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading, what have I done? And because I know what Romans 5 and 6 says, but my brain, I couldn't get wheeling. I was so nervous. And I was like, all right, we're just going to skip that. and Let's go to the next one. I know is right. And everybody's smiling. And we pulled it back. I think God got us on board. But I want you to see something. I want, to, I want to make a point here. Nothing in the Bible happens by accident. Paul personally thought he was done. And God was like, no, 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 no. I want them to see something for ages to come. He did not do it by himself. Look at all the people he honored and he recognized. God is showing us it takes all. It takes all of us. 
It takes every bit of us. Can you imagine, because we're human, some of those people that were listed, they felt like they had been working all these years and nobody ever noticed. And their name goes down in the Bible for all of ages. I just, every time I read that, I'm thinking, you know, oh, Euphoditis or whatever his name is. He's been there working solo and the devil's telling him, nobody even notices. What are you doing this for? Nobody cares. And the next thing you know, the greatest apostle that's ever lived writes your name in Romans 16. How cool would that be? Let me go beyond that. There's no new Bibles being written, but there are books being recorded. Everything you do, the, the biggest thing when I have new youth come up and I see that God's got their hand on them and they, he wants to use them, the biggest thing I have to deal with always, you can ask every one of them, I beat it into them, you are only as good as your team. If you try to do something by yourself, don't come to me in three months and tell me you're burned out and want to quit. I don't care. Quit. Because you didn't get it. And we'll start over once you recover. There's no heroes in church. There's no me, myself, and us. When we do stuff, we're a family. You do it as a team. When, and listen, it's so important that we get this. That we are a team. That it's all about everybody in here doing what they're supposed to do. I can't fill this church up by myself and neither can you. But if we all put our plane parts together, we can get flowing towards the kingdom of God. Right? Listen, don't not come back tonight because you think I'm boring today. This is the truth. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 27, my last scripture. It's 1130. In five minutes, you'll be up. You'll stand in here and talk for 25 more minutes, even though you're ready to go now. Won't make any sense to me either. The body is not one part, but many. Paul had to deal with this. If the foot says, because I'm not the hand, I'm not the body. Uh-oh. Sounds like we found a problem. It has blown my mind over 18 years how many people want to be something to the body other than what God's called them to be. Usually when they come to me and say, I can sing, I know instantly they're horrible. I don't even have to let them try out. They're terrible. And most of the people that can sing, you hear through whispers. Man, you need to give so-and-so a listen. They can sing. Yeah, I know. It's a little weird right there, isn't it? I can't Listen, I don't let bad people sing on here. Not because I want your ears to be okay. That's the truth. I don't care about your ears. I care about that person being made fun of. And I have to protect that person. I learned that from our pastor who's awesome at it. Stop trying to be something you're not. Be what you're supposed to be. Keep reading, 16. And if the ear says, because I'm not of the eye, I'm not of the body, I'm telling you, so many pastors are walking away to not go back to preaching because their whole week is spent trying to coddle people and tell them, well, because they say, well, if I'm not going to do that, then I'm just gone. If you don't see the gifts that God's put in me, then I'm going to leave. 
And no, I'm not going to leave. What I'm going to do to you is I'm going to sit on a pew and I'm going to check out on you. And I'm just going to coast and let you watch. Knowing that you love me and knowing that it bothers you, I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to coast just to spite you because you won't see my gifts and talents. No, people would never do that. Oh, yes, they would. It's called passive aggressive. Mr. Gandhi figured it out. Look at, look at the next one. I'm not mad at you, and I'm, I'm not. If the whole body were an eye, where would it, the hearing be? He's just so common sense. Like, okay, so you want to do this, but if you, if you do that, and we have 45 eyeballs, then who's going to hear from God? They don't realize what if you're the hand? What, what if God's called you here to just encourage and lift people up? But they don't see my giftings. Oh, but God does. And he made you such a good hand. You're the best hand we have. I always joke, I'm the head of my house. But you can rest assured, Bethany's the neck. She turns the head <laughs> where we shall proceed. <laughs> same, same thing in the body of Christ. You got to have a neck. You do need eyes. You need somebody to have vision for where the church is going and where it's shifting. You do. But you need ears that hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You need some feet that don't get any glory. But let me tell you, start having trouble with your feet. You'll realize how important those feet are. You know what happens to a church? Everybody wants to be the head, has no feet. It, it quits reaching out to the community, and everybody wants to make this the fishbowl that they look in, and all the good stuff happens only in here. This is not a fishbowl. This is not a fishbowl. We got all these little frilly things for our goldfish. We got great worship. We got great this. We got all these little things going on, and everybody wants to be ahead, and we need some feet. We need you to tell your neighbor about Jesus. We need you to walk this thing out with people. That, listen, go to, go to the next one. He talks about where, the, but now God has established the parts, every one of them, uh-oh, in the body as pleased him. Maybe our problem is, is we want to please us and not please him. Can you imagine, if I'd have had time, I was going to get a body, one of those programs you can just put body pieces everywhere, and I was going to put it on there and say, this is the modern church right now. It would have like 38 eyeballs. It had hands under the chin because nobody wants to be the support. They just want to be the action. That's one messed up looking church. It's got to please him. He will put you where it pleases him. Some people want to be in positions, and God knows he loves you too much to do that to you. You've got to be able to handle some things. You've got to start small. If you can't sit back in a classroom when nobody sees you, you can't get on the stage. I know. I've been there. I've preached to two 
and two again, and two again when nobody saw me. And I preached to two again, and two again. Get so discouraged, but preach to two again. Thanks God for Sister Paula and something she said to me. She said she was raised on a farm. And she said every morning at 5 a.m. she went to feed the cows. And she said she only fed the cows that came, but she fed them anyway. She didn't care if 100 came or 2 came. And I thought, well, there you go. There's my correction by a mother. I needed it. Go to, go to 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? You can't do it together. So there are many parts yet one body. And that's, that's good. My point is, is today, ask God where you fit. I used to get so scared to ask God when I was young. I'd say, God, I give you my whole life. Except for South America, Africa, Europe, and Asia. And Canada. I do not want to go to Canada. So I will give you all of my life in the South. Excluding Mississippi. <laughs> Mainly Florida. The panhandle, please. No, I'm just playing. I'd be so scared sometimes because I'd be like, what if he speaks to me right now and tells me what he's telling them? It's time to go eat goat. Like, I don't know if I want to eat goat. Man, they're excited about going to eat goat. That's how you know they're called. When I hear them talking about it, I'm like, man, y'all going to eat some beans off a leaf. Like, they're going to put beans on a big leaf. You're going to have to eat that. And that's your meal for the day. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, no. No. That's part of the body. We're sending out people. It's apostolic, actually, and I don't want to scare you with that word, but it's an apostolic ministry. We call them missionaries for some reason, and I can't really find that word in the Bible. It's an apostolic calling. It's a go. So there's their calling. What's yours? Well, I haven't really asked God where I fit. Well, I asked him one time. Heard a sermon on it, man. I prayed that one time that God would show me the direction my whole life. Really, one time? <laughs> I think it's going to take a little more detail where you fit. Listen, we need help with things that you don't even know we need help with things. P poor JT and me and Timmy Miranda are doing all of the audiovisual completely. Maybe you like computers. Maybe you could help us with the website. You never even thought about that that could be something that you could do. If you keep reading, he says, but we give honor to our more comely parts, the parts we don't talk about. You know, I don't want to go too crazy here, but the reproductive system of the church is a covered up part that's not talked about very often. That's what he's talking about. Go look at the Greek, the comely parts, the covered parts. Sometimes you've got to be the reproductive system of the church. Maybe you're good. Dale's not here and he won't be here till the 26th. If you get around Dale, Dale is one of the greatest evangelistic mindsets I've ever been around. I knew it when a kid. We used to go to Walmart, and I would have trouble trying to witness to somebody. I'd be stumbling and fumbling, and Dale would walk up and be like, hey, man, I see those shoes, and man, dude, you skateboard? And they'd be like, yeah, and he'd go. And then next thing you know, they'd be talking about Jesus. That's his gifting to the body of Christ. He can get people in.
You have a gifting. You have an ability. And it might just be to be friendly and be a support system. You show up faithfully. You love on people. What a great call. There's a lot of people that are heads right now that would love that calling instead. Don't even get in the drama. Just support. Just support. Don't even have to talk about it. Just support. I'm not a mouthpiece, so I I can't say anything. I can't hear. I'm just supporting. I don't hear it. I don't see it. Just support. When, When God gave me this last night, I said to him, please don't let this be some kind of sermon where we hear this and we don't change. You gave this to me. Change me first. Start with me. And then let us change. Let us be united. So the miraculous can happen. You say, man, are there problems? No, there's not problems. But there's people. And we, that's why he had to write every epistle and deal with how we conduct ourselves. Today, as we have this altar call, I really want you to examine yourself. If you've never asked God where you fit, start there. It amazes me how many people want to preach. When they're young, they come through and they want a mic. And I'm like, how much time do you spend in the Word? What are you going to preach to them? Your own thoughts? That's definitely not what we want to hear. Got to be seasoned. He might speak to some of you. Listen, I would love, I would love, there's so many things around here that have needs, and you might not even know where it fits. One of my favorite churches ever is Phoenix Assembly of God, and the pastor simply does this. If a member comes to him because they've been praying, God, I'm at this church, I want you to use me, I want you to grow me here, show me what I can do for you, and that something comes on their heart, they come to them, he says, good, you're over it. Get you a committee and take care of it. That same church, when you go to phoenix.org to see what's happening in Phoenix, that church service on Sunday night is number eight in things to see in Phoenix, Arizona. Not, listen to me, this is not a Christian website. One of the number eight things to do in Phoenix, Arizona is go to Phoenix First Assembly of God night service where God is rocking the place and healing and restoring and delivering and setting people free. You know what happened? Paul just wrote and said, Heronia, which means they're in the house of Herod, which means they're in up places that have gotten saved in the gospels there. It's the same thing. I guarantee you Phoenix councilmen and Phoenix, probably the mayor and people have been saved. They're like, yeah, put that on the website. This is the place to come. We got to get there. I don't believe that's just some kind of word. I believe God has ordained evangel to be together and united and loving people and no offense, hugging people and saying, let's go. Sometimes you have to just say, listen, forgive me. It's in a weird place. Forgive me. I'm not even going to blame it on a weird place. I'm just dumb sometimes. Forgive me. 
So you haven't gotten older. I see a lot of older people do dumb things. <laughs> Heard an old minister tell me one time, boy, you think when you get about 40, you're going to have it under control, all, everything in life. And then he said, you're going to get 40 and realize you ain't even close. And he said, I, you think, hey, when I get 60, me and the Lord, it's going to be all easy going. He said, I'm 70 and it still ain't going that way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still working on me. Let's have love. Let's let everybody come together and love. 